and welcome to another episode of LedgerCast. I have a special guest this week, Beast Lorian. Did I pronounce that right? I just uh, yeah, Beast Lorian. That's okay. how you say it. Hello. Awesome. Welcome. I'm going to call you Beast from here on out. Uh, cool. We have known each other for several months now um, and gotten to gotten to know one, one another in telegram chat you're one of the earlier earlier folks that i started talking to in this space so i'm happy to have you on the podcast man yeah thanks for inviting me i'm glad to be here so uh you're sitting in with me today you're a trader we're going to talk about the bitcoin price but we're going to get into your story a little bit as well if people don't know who you are already although i'm certain a good number of listeners uh probably follow you on twitter and whatnot maybe trading view um, but if you would give the the short spiel of um, who you are and how you got into this space, that would that would be good. Sure. So kind of all starts um, a couple of years back, uh, 2015 into 2016. I went to a programming boot camp, and one of my best friends there uh, was working on a project that was like supposedly going to communicate with the um, with a Bitcoin node and allow you to send. Um, post messages to the, uh, or API calls, I guess, to the node, and then it would send back some information about the network. Um, that was my first encounter with Bitcoin. Mm-hmm. And towards the end of our time at that programming boot camp, um, I think it was like our, our last day or something, it ended up being around late or early February um, 2016. Uh, I I was bored, I guess, and we didn't have anything to do for a couple hours. So I decided to float on to or do some research on Bitcoin. And I found myself on Poloniex, the, uh, the big exchange at the time um, back in 2016, 2000, early 2017, even it was a big one. And I got to watch Expanse go up like 4,000% <laughs> in a day. And that was my first experience seeing an altcoin in action uh, from a trading standpoint anyway. Uh, and I just knew that like, okay, if I if I can even get one of these, just even a little bit of one of these moves, uh, that, you know, I'm going to have so much money if I can do this that I won't have to maybe ever work again. And so, so did you buy Bitcoin at all first or were you just uh, straight into altcoins? It, uh, I got into altcoins before I got into um, Bitcoin, actually. I bought Ethereum so, um, over the counter from my friend and immediately I sold it and, and like an idiot. <laughs> it was actually doing really well and I should have held it for quite a while, but I sold it and started to trade some other shit coins on Poloniex. Um, but yeah, I didn't even, it didn't even occur to me that Bitcoin was the coin I should be holding. I saw these coins moving against Bitcoin and doing really well against it. So, um, immediately Bitcoin became the, uh, the reserve currency for me, the one that you would trade in and out of. And I just didn't even think about us dollars when I was trading. So you were trading Ethereum, it looks like, uh, mid early 2016, it was like less than $15. Yeah, it was, man, it was like 90 cents when I first got my, when I got my first Ethereum. Um, I think that's right anyway. It was back at like 0.09 Bitcoin. Um, or yeah, I just realized yeah, that's that was, right. That's I right. was actually looking at, uh, I was actually looking, I was looking at Ethereum on Coinbase. So 
it wasn't listed on Coinbase until no, it was before spring. it got listed on Coinbase. Yeah, so Ethereum had a big pump from January to March that went from a dollar to about thirteen fifty. Uh, Let's so. see. So I originally got in back. Uh, yeah, when it was around two or three dollars was when I first got in. So you were you were mid pump. Yep, right in the middle in. of it. That's awesome. It was a very fun time. Um, unfortunately, I did not have much in the way of money to invest. Uh, since I had ju- I was just coming out of school, uh, ready to get into a position, you know, in, in the bit, or sorry, in the um, in the career field of web development and get going on programming. Uh, and I did that. I ended up doing that for about a full year. Um, while I traded away what little uh, money I had in crypto, and when I first started get, when I first started getting my um, page, paychecks from that job, I just take like two thirds of every paycheck and throw it into Bitcoin and threw it into my favorite altcoin at the time, which ended up um, I ended up getting really sucked into the Syscoin community. Nice. Um, like any like any good early trader, you really latched on, or I really latched on to the first project that got chilled to me. Uh, and immediately I was just like, this this is the next big project. This is going to be huge. Everyone's going to want to buy a Syscoin. Just give it some time. It's going to go to the moon. And it did end up doing really well. I wouldn't say it was the best investment. Um, I actually yeah. don't particularly... Throughout, hmm? throughout all of 2016, uh, Syscoin was pretty range bound from yeah, what it was it at the felt, beginning of the year. It sucked pretty bad to be in there while I saw a lot of other altcoins doing really well during that time period. Um, but I just kept buying, kept buying until um, around March 2017, I actually left my position, um, which was a uh, tech support position, by the way, not web development. And I wanted a position in web development, so I had left in order to find a new job. And just as I left, actually, I think it was like March 19th, maybe the 21st, somewhere right in there, uh, altcoins just started taking off like I've never seen before. And by then I had accumulated a pretty good amount of Syscoin. I was all in Syscoin at that point. And <laughs> Looking at the Syscoin it. chart right now, that was the beginning of a huge pump for it. So, Oh, yeah. Yeah, it was beautiful, man. Uh, so you, I started to make more, I think I made more money in the next two weeks than I had ever, you know, I had made in eight months working. Mm, uh, that was quite the, the, quite the pump. That's awesome. So were you, uh, so did you basically forego starting that new job and just trade from then on out? Exactly. Yep. Um, so I started full-time trading from then, uh, there on out. Uh, I, after being in Syscoin for a while, I sold it a bit too early. I was over trading, like in and out of it, trying to catch every wave. And I really had no idea what I was doing. Um, honestly, if I had just held it all the way up to like 8k or something and sold and never looked back, I'd be doing pretty damn well. But you know, it's not always so simple, especially when you have no experience. Um, and I really didn't know what the hell I was doing. Um, so I ended up getting into Sia coin too. That was my other big trade during the spring. Um, and I caught Sia coin. I caught a few of the waves on Sia coin, actually. Let me pull it up. Yeah, I'm actually, uh, I got it pulled up on the chart right now. Okay. Um, well, if, if you, so right at the beginning, I had bought at one, um, 100 and 
uh, well, see a coin on Poloniex on Bittrex, it won't show it, but I picked it up at like 150 um, sats right before the big pump. <laughs> right before it uh, had uh, a week of madness. Yeah, it was insane. I, I've never seen anything do that before, except for Digibyte, which happened the day before. And I was like, okay, see a coin and Digibyte kind of look like they have the same charts. Maybe I'm going to. It, I just missed Digibyte by one day, um, but I'm going to go all in see a coin. And <laughs> I, I didn't go all in. I had like 50% still in Syscoin, and then the other 50 went into see a coin at 150. Um, and I sold the very next day, like an idiot, at 240. It was actually a pretty good exit on that little tiny pump there, you know, tiny in or relative to what actually happened. It ended up getting to like 550 Satoshis. Yeah. Um, well, then and I sold. missed the majority of that, but still felt pretty good. Yeah, that's awesome. So at the same time that you were doing this was when I was making my first crypto purchases in general. Um, so I really, I also started with Ethereum, but I was, uh, I was buying Ethereum on uh, Coinbase at the time. And so I caught some of the Ethereum run, but I really didn't get into non-Coinbase stuff until later. Pretty much the only alts left to run, which I still had some good luck with, were uh, OMG and, and NEO, which had which were late runners of, right. the, of the alt season of 2017 lore. Yeah, um, I completely missed out on those. I felt so bad missing those pumps. Um, that time after June... Between June and November was a very dark time for my portfolio. So this is what I want to get into with you in regards to your story is, um, you know, a lot of people that are listening to this, they probably haven't experienced uh, any of these, or maybe they caught some in January, but then they handled their exits wrong or whatever. Um, how, what was, how did you go through the process of saying, okay, well, this is done. I'm selling, I'm, I'm moving on, taking my profits and back into Bitcoin. So there was a time when in June last, uh, so last year, 2017, June, um, where the coins that I had been in up to that point. So Syscoin and Siacoin and a few other altcoins that I think I had just been messing around with um, stopped going up for the first time in a while. Um, and all of a sudden, the market started to turn around. Uh, and I got really paranoid about how much the market had gone up. Um, I started, you know, at that point, it was far enough in where I was doing all sorts of research on market cycles, on, you, you know, any sort of technical analysis on what a bubble you know, that famous Wall Street uh, cheat sheet bubble mm-hmm. chart that gets passed around. Um, you, you know, I've seen that like a thousand times on Twitter now. And when you're starting out, it's really easy to just say, yeah, that's the one. Um, it's really easy to say or to just like match that up to any, you know, pump cycle on any coin or, you know, pretty much any asset uh, that's going up and be like, It's at euphoria right now. It's been going up for too long. (laughs) It's got to turn around. It's going to fall. Um, And I feel that way about the stock market, too. It's like I've been watching it for quite a while. I've been thinking about shorting um, stocks. But sure enough, they just keep going up. I'm pretty sure several times now I've talked to you out of shorting stocks. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's been a while. I I haven't really considered it lately. I've been focusing mostly on crypto again. But Ledger is definitely, you've definitely talked me out of shorting um, stocks. I think I was going to short NVIDIA or something at 160. 
Um, and actually, it's not too far. No, oh my God, it's at like 241 now. Yeah, I'd, be, I'd probably get liquidated if I was still in there. Um, I ended up closing that like a few days afterwards because I just had no idea what I was doing. I think the stock market in a way is a completely different beast. Um, yeah. And a lot of the reason for that is the uh, just the lack of um, in, in crypto, all of these coins move almost purely off speculation from investors. Uh, there's no underlying value that gives these coins price. It's just the perceived value that people give them. Uh, these coins aren't products. They aren't companies that sell and make a revenue or they don't pay dividends. They don't have earning statements. There's no way to value them appropriately. So well, it's very difficult at least because you're essentially yes. trying to capture what is the overall network value of a coin. Um, exactly. When most of the networks are nascent at best. So yeah, uh, it's highly speculative, whereas the stock market is speculative as well, because when you buy NVIDIA, you're not buying um, into a value that's the current value of the company. You're buying into the perceived value of what their potential is. Um, right. Which is that's why companies true. with companies with no revenue are worth something, you know, because it's you're not you're not buying what they're making today. You're buying what you think they can make tomorrow. Um, yes. But on the other hand, you've also, with stocks, at least, you have um, these companies have assets. They have, um, they do have a revenue that they pull in. So, at the worst case scenario, they're still valuable at some to some degree. Yeah, no, it's, um, it's certainly it's certainly a, a dramatic a dramatic difference. Uh, mm-hmm. and we we haven't quite figured out even, and maybe we'll talk a little bit about this. I'm curious if you've thought about. Um, correlation between markets because we haven't quite figured out how uh, Bitcoin and, and crypto markets will correlate to the stock market. Um, right. And I, have um, you thought at all about that? Well, very much how like how my portfolio balance doesn't seem to correlate at all to the price of Bitcoin, surprisingly, because I'm just always in altcoins. Mm-hmm. Um the value of crypto, I feel, is a world apart from the stock market. And we might see some days where it correlates really well. But in the grand scheme of things, Bitcoin's just taken a massive dump since um, since the beginning of the year. And the stock market is actually recovering quite well. And it, it just does not seem correlated, even though it has crashed a bit, uh, quite quite a significant amount. Since the beginning of the year, there were fundamental reasons why the stock market is doing badly right now, whereas for Bitcoin, it was more of a bubble crash. So I'm not sure that they're correlated in what direction they're going, but the volatility might have an effect on each, if Hmm. that makes sense. So when I I have a feeling that when investors start to get um, less confident in the stock market, they will also get less confident in crypto because they're both just uh, two different sets of assets. Yeah, I've actually, I've been trying to keep an eye on how the stock market is affecting other markets. And at least there was some alignment between the big move in the stock market and Bitcoin's like final leg down. But right. I felt most for the most part, I felt like those were coincidental more than anything else. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas I am curious how in the future whether or not uh, whether or not it, Bitcoin will be considered a um, 
a hedged asset like gold would be or something like that, um, right. where people move into well, gold if the market's down and that kind of thing. I don't even, even gold doesn't really move that strongly when the market's, you know, crashing. Um, in some cases, it doesn't move at all in the opposite, you know, direction. Yeah, of the market. a lot of times people think these have direct, like directly inverse correlations and they're not quite that, you know. Um, right. One of the I mean, the, the purpose for uh, gold or, or the investment um, strength of gold is that it holds its value over time, not necessarily that it goes up in value. And I think that's a misconception that a lot of people have about it. Um, even while the market is crashing, like the stock market is crashing or the housing market is crashing, um, that doesn't necessarily mean that gold is going to go up in value. It just means that the housing market and stock market are going down in value. Yeah. Um, and comparative to those markets, yeah, it's going up. But against the U.S. dollar, um, that isn't necessarily the case. Yeah. I've been uh, dabbling more into Forex stuff as well. And I know that you've done some some trades in there. But um, would you say that the from a technical analysis perspective that those skills transfer or do you have to look at crypto significantly differently than you look at other markets or other market types? I don't think you, you have to look at them significantly differently. Um, the only, the, the, the real difference between other markets and crypto is that the crypto markets move about a hundred times faster. <laughs> yeah. um, they're extremely volatile. Even the high market cap coins like Bitcoin move harder and faster than any stock that, you know, any, you know, reputable stock, unless it turned out to be like complete fraud um, of, you know, whatever company you're looking at. But generally the market cycles just take about six to eight months in crypto so far as we've seen. Um, especially for altcoins, they seem to be that fast. Um, Bitcoin has about a four-year market cycle from what I've seen, um, at least from my current theory slash perspective. Um, the, the I think big it's about parabolic four years. trend. Yeah. And, you know, every it, it's really hard to tell right now because Bitcoin actually hasn't been around for so long that you can make an accurate um, prediction about its market cycle. Yeah, but, one of my favorite things that people say is... Uh, you know, is this going to be like the um, the 2013 correction or the 2014 correction or whatever? It's like we've got like <laughs> three dips ever to compare what we're doing now uh, to. So it's like it, it, we really don't have enough history to say like definitively this move off 19, 20,000 is going to be just like what occurred in, you know, late 2013 or uh, or early 2013, or if you go all the way back to mid 2011 was a, a big crash. And, um, it's impossible to equate then and now, in my opinion, with regards to what we're going to see in the Bitcoin market. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I don't think they're, I mean, people are trying to, uh, create this like cookie cutter kind of prediction for what Bitcoin's going to do next. And what, I find really funny about the markets or curious, I suppose, um, is that the fundamental factors that drive the price always seem to be limited to the time frame, like the to uh, the current situation of the market. But when you look at it in a long term perspective, like we are now, um, patterns seem to form regardless 
Um, so there's just like this cycle of good things happening, bad things happening, um, and more importantly, the sentiment surrounding the market. Yeah, and, the market and oftentimes cycles. the um, the fundamental is some people would argue, including uh, Josh Olswich, he would say. Um, the fundamental factors are the triggers for technical things to fall into line. So yeah, the, that makes sense. these patterns emerge and they need fundamental triggers uh, to kick off. And the market will use a variety of fundamental reasons to do something. Um, I would say right now, for instance, like I think Bitcoin's fundamentally stronger right now than it's been in a really long time. Whereas oh, yeah. the uncertainty... Yeah, it's been so ironic. The uh, like for the entire ride up from three thousand dollars up to twenty thousand dollars, all I heard was FUD, like right. pure uncertainty. <laughs> it was a massive about pump. The, yeah, I don't. You know, it's it's so amazing um, to me. It seems so amazing that the transaction fees can be a hundred dollars at some points. Um, and all everyone's talking about is how shitty this technology is because it's not going to scale and that it's a huge bubble and people are only investing because of what they think the price is going to be tomorrow. Um, and yet, sure enough, the price continues to rise. And then as soon as the Lightning Network starts to get implemented, transaction fees go down, it's finally usable again. Um, any Segwit's activated. Yeah, and every and all of a sudden the price is going down. It is just like the most comical market ever. I feel like there a lot of people are just watching this and laughing their asses off um, because it's, it's just all speculation. Even when the fundamental news is good, the price goes down, and when the fundamental news is bad, the price goes up. It's just yeah, the hype cycles seem to be more important to me than the fundamentals. Even though those fundamentals do lead to these big price. Uh, adjustments sometimes, but you know, I think back to the um, the prior euphoria uh, when Bitcoin went to whatever twelve hundred before it had the long bear market. I mean, it it went over the course of just a few weeks, and again at that time, it seemed like everybody was talking about Bitcoin and media. Um, I don't know if you remember this, but I, I mean, I was hearing about Bitcoin as someone who was basically not paying any attention. Um, and when I remember, and I've said this on the podcast before, is I remember when it crashed a few weeks after that, I was like, well, duh, it crashed. It was a huge bubble, <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And while the, the hype cycle is very similar, fundamentally, Bitcoin is a significantly different asset now. And this whole asset class is significantly different because there's a whole world of uh, stuff that's possible now that wasn't even in the cards then. Um, so like, institutional interest, institutional investment, um, you know, stuff like we're seeing with futures that are applied to Bitcoin now and the number of real businesses that are are looking to implement uh, Bitcoin and seeing the potential of blockchain in um, raising equity, overtaking venture capital. I mean, if you just consider that alone, that's such a massive, fundamentally strong thing, even if there's all sorts of uh, legislative or, or regulatory uh, junk to work through. Like people are raising money, more money with crypto than they were than they were raising with venture capital last year, and that's just unbelievable when you consider how hyped the venture capital market was. Um, mm. So I, I just feel like comparing what's going on now to what happened years ago is really difficult. And right. 
I say that because I do want to talk a little bit about the current market situation that we're in. Um, everybody, I think, listening to this knows that we, you know, we had that massive downward move to six thousand, and we've been recovering from that over several weeks. Um, and you know, fresh on the podcast, we've had a pretty nice uh, dump off today of. Uh, what would you? I've not even paid attention to the exact numbers. Fifteen hundred bucks or so. Is that right, Beast? Uh, yeah. So it went from ten thousand six hundred to nine thousand four hundred. Not quite. Okay. Out there. So about so about twelve hundred bucks. Um, in one day, I've got a weekly chart pulled up right now for anyone that's uh watching. Um, and you know, I just want to, I, I want to ask you. What do you think in terms of what we're looking at? Because I have ideas because people are talking about, you know, we're going to make new lower lows. We're going to 3K or we're going to $40,000 by June. You know, like it seems like these right. massive uh, differing opinions, but I, I haven't heard a lot in the middle. So I'm, I'm, I'm curious where you fall in line. Um, that's funny because I don't actually have an opinion on the long run right now. Like in, I guess in the long run, I would expect it to keep going up because of the trend. That's really what it's about right now is this battle between people, uh, uh, between timeframes. Is the price going to go down over the next year or is it going to follow the trend that it's been following for the last three years and continue upwards? Um, personally, uh, I think it would make sense for a larger correction down to I've got a couple of theories, but unfortunately, all of my all of my theories kind of um, contradict each other. <laughs> so <laughs> it'll be one of my contradicting theories. I'll be I, I I'll be right would, no matter what. Exactly, or I'm going to be wrong no matter what I do. <laughs> um, I think that we're, we'll find out soon enough where the price is going. Right now, the price is really volatile. Um, and before we see a larger correction, or if we if we see it enter a bear market, I would expect the volatility to drop um, before it begins its its slow and um, long descent. You know, relative to how long it's been around. So, that's, um, so new, one, that's something that I haven't heard anyone express publicly. So your idea would be that if we enter a true bear market, that it's a slow and painful bleed with lower volatility. Yeah. No, I, well, it, at first, it's got to be high volatility. The market's got to show its extremes. That's what we've been seeing. Um, that doesn't sure. necessarily mean that the bull run is over. Um, but if we are going to enter a bear market, I'd want to see it find some sort of... Um, some sort of mean or kind of uh, lose its, uh, its volatility and flatten out before it chooses its next direction. And only then will we really be able to tell what direction it's going in for, you know, the foreseeable future. Yeah, no, I think that's a, a fair assessment. Um, I kind of feel like that there's at least a decent chance that we're going to see a whole lot of chop. And um, I've got a, a chart pulled up right now that would indicate that we don't actually see even in a a non-bearish market, we wouldn't see new highs potentially for another uh, six or seven months. Um, right. And I think that's significantly different than what you'll typically see if you're if you're looking at people's long-term outlooks. And the reason I like it is just because it kind of fall, fits in line with going more mainstream that you wouldn't have as many of these like really massive uh you know, longer term swings. Like I think the daily volatility right. is still obviously going to happen. We're seeing a lot of that, 
but I don't know if there can be enough market pressure put on uh, a Bitcoin when it's valued at as much as it is um, to swing it so strongly as what we saw at the end of the year, or certainly without a break, you know, like. Right. Yeah, I don't think we're going to see another swing like uh, from 20K to 6K, anything like that, or, you know, on the way up or down for quite a bit of time here. But if you we have on, to on the way up, we went from 6K to 20K in like a month and a half, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Uh, no, I, but that was all in the, at the, during that time, we had the extreme euphoria from South Korean buyers um, along with the rest of the world, but specifically South Korea. I don't know, or actually I do know what was happening over there. Apparently they were having liquidity issues um, because of the, uh, because of the laws they have there on moving money in and out and trading on crypto, only a f- select few people were able to um, supply the liquidity to the exchanges. And it would take a good amount of time for that money to cycle back into to buy Bitcoin from the other markets around the world and then move it back to South Korea again to sell to the people. And that's why the price was so high there. Huh. Um so I actually just measured the, including the retest on the way up. So there was a break of 6,000 and then, um, and there, I'm using 6,000 as my metric because that's where we've so far tested back to. Uh, right. It was 35 days, including a retest of the same level that about a week after the first break. Um, and to come down was 53 days. So we're talking uh, 100 days to be able to go from 6,000 to 20,000 and back again. I mean... That's a lot of volatility. It's quite, uh, quite a beautiful chart. <laughs> <laughs> to say the least, that's a lot of volatility. Um, so it seems to me like we're due for some um, steady declines in volatility, if not price. Um, so yeah, I don't. I, I, don't th- I would find it hard to believe that it would continue to be this volatile for too much longer. Um, I bet it's just going to slow down for a while and everyone's going to get bored and then finally something's going to happen and everyone's going to get excited again. Um, just like it always does. Yeah. The one that I've, the, the diagonal that I've drawn that goes back to, uh, early last year and it's the upward sloping trend. If we stayed between that upward sloping trend and the all time high, it would create a massive ascending triangle that leads us yeah. to like August or September, which yeah, that would be. Great. I mean, that would be so bullish. <laughs> that would be like that would lead into an end of the year uh, break of an ace of that triangle, and I would be very excited about that. Um, yes, I think that um, based on the chart that you have up right now. If uh, I would expect, like, if it were to remain bullish, um, then somehow it would have to get between 12,000 and 13,000, those lines you've got there, mm-hmm. and float around in there and kind of steady out. And then if it were to break up from there, that would be a pretty good indication that we're going to continue upwards and yeah. see the bull market continuation. On the other hand, if it breaks through that diagonal you've got there, uh, that would be bad news bears. Um, and anything's game for going down. If it were to do that, and one of my theories allows for this, is that um, the price goes down to, the price were to go down to um, $4,000-ish by the end of this year into next year. I think that's definitely possible. Um, I I know a lot of people are very bullish still. So I just want to make it known that 
it's anything is possible in this market. And if that were to happen, it would not surprise me in the least. So I mean, that would basically get us back to where we were in June. Yeah. So your idea is that we would break off that di- off the diagonal that we've been on for so long and essentially slowly curve down and create another like bowl shape type of market. I mean, that's, um, full, that's full bear market. Basically. Not that quite like you've drawn it, at least not in my not in your imagination, head. I guess, but um, it would eventually get down to 4,000 by, um, yeah, by January, late December, or January, um, before it flattens out for a while and then continues upward. Very similar to the bear market in 2014, 2015. Um, and I'm seeing a lot of if if you zoom out on a high time frame. Um, so if you go on the weekly or the even yeah, I would go on the weekly actually. It's the best way. And you pick out all of the you pick out each of the uh, each New Year's Day or each on um, each week that begins or ends the year. Um, you'll notice that the trend has a significant change on each of those or it pivots on each of those um, on each New Year's. Uh, And it's very interesting that it lines up so perfectly. Do you have a theory Uh, on that? um, So, yeah, that would be my theory for why you could see it taking a full year um, to get back to uh, to get back to four thousand dollars about. That would be the um, 62, hold on, I think I got a chart somewhere. That would be the uh, 60, what is the exact number? What is the Fibonacci number? Oh, the 60.618. Yes, from From the high. Let me me try and draw it out real quick. I got my chart somewhere over here. I don't want to waste too much time on it. But basically, so my theory is that, yeah, it goes back down to... 4,000 by the end of the year before we flatten out for maybe a year or less um, and then start up again, very similar to how, what we saw in 2014, 2015. Yeah. Um, that's my theory. I think that's a, an interesting theory worth exploring more. And, uh, you know, the macro trend is, I think, more important than a lot of people give it credit for. Like we get really caught up sometimes in, hey, what's going on today? Uh, what's going on this week? And sometimes if you just apply a little more patience to your trading style, you can realize stronger and better gains, both in your in the sense of your risk management. So like when you decide, hey, I'm going to sell and wait, or when you uh, take profits and that kind of stuff, and, and how long you hold out for the, the next opportunity to buy in, all sorts of stuff. And that I'd say that especially applies to altcoins, because um, but even even with Bitcoin, you know, so it's just worth zooming out some, I guess, is how I would uh, quantify that. Um, I'd like to get into this is the opposite of zooming out. <laughs> uh, I would like to get into something that we started just the other day uh, that we're calling the the 100x challenge. And, oh, yeah. <laughs> and, and talk about why we did that and our thoughts on uh, what we think about it in terms of uh, going forward. For sure. Yeah. Let's, uh, so we, uh, we got into it. We started, um, honestly, uh, trading just on a very basic level is a very competitive thing. Um, you, when you're trading, you're competing against everyone else in the market to try and get the best prices for what you're buying, for what you're selling. 
Um, and everyone that has a sophisticated strategy is trying to beat out the next person um, or at least the majority of the market. And I think like if you're not beating the majority of the market, then you're failing as a trader, um, at least or, or you're not learning to do it because that, that is the uh, the goal of trading is to be able to um, outperform the market, hopefully by a significant amount. And the entire experience is a learning experience. So if you're not learning along the way to do it better than you have been, then you're also missing out pretty big. Yeah, that's actually much so, more elegant than I would have put it. <laughs> uh, so we started a competition to uh, try to 100x our Bitcoin. And mm-hmm. um, that's within this competitive spirit like you just mentioned. But I think what's fun about it is that we've decided that we're going to, one, attempt this challenge, even though the likelihood is we'll both fail, considering... Almost certainly. Yeah, considering um, we're talking about doing this in six months. But we're also going to be doing public trades. So we created a Twitter account called... <laughs> this is just, it, it really is a disaster waiting yep. to happen. Oh, yeah. I can't wait <laughs> until I have burn. 50% of the Bitcoin that I started with in six months. <laughs> Um, I hope we'll do a little bit better than that. I hope we do better than break even. But if people really think we're going to 100x, then um, they might be sorely disappointed. (laughs) Yeah. If if only we had started this at the beginning of November, then we could have made (laughs) a big deal. We could have gotten a nice start. Yeah, we'd be legends by now. But unfortunately, the market is just horrible for altcoins right now. Almost everything's going down during the last two months. So. It is an extreme challenge, to say the least, at this point in time. Yeah, but we are going to give it a shot. And I think part of what I wanted to do with this was, one, uh, have a good time and, you know, do a silly competition with you. Um, Of course, yeah. And that that challenges me to assess my own strategies. And that comes from a risk management perspective, uh, good and bad, I guess. Um, and also just to rethink, like, how am I looking at my trading and how can I trade differently or how should I trade differently or how would I trade differently psychologically if I'm essentially applying these, um, these constraints of saying, yeah, well, time constraints. Yeah. And- I, got, I need to do something in six months and I, um, and I need to make more drastic potential gains. And that doesn't necessarily mean moving faster. One of the things people will notice is that like, we're not day trading this right now. Um, not at the moment. <laughs> yeah, not yet. I'll probably start day trading. <laughs> we'll get desperate <laughs> or something. Um, but we're not trying to at the at the at the moment. We're not trying to force trades, and that's not really our goal. Um, but I probably will trade this a little bit differently than I do my normal portfolio, and that's partly why I wanted to do this because. I think if I look at my regular portfolio, I tend to have too much patience in a way, um, Mm -hmm. in the sense of allowing a bag or, you know, an investment, whatever, to to lose for a while for the sake of the long term gain. Right. I'm not sure that that's like the best strategy, you know, so I'm I'm missing other stuff. uh, Yes. No, and I I don't disagree with that strategy, especially as a full time strategy. Um, and I know people that do or have very similar strategies where they'll buy something and just hold it forever, waiting for it to do something. They're, they're the price of whatever they're holding to go parabolic and then finally sell it on a massive move. And 
I think that's that is a good strategy and the good one of the biggest um, benefits of that strategy is that the amount of effort you have to put into it is very small, especially once you've chosen your investment. Right. Um, but you can say that. I mean, that's not trading really. Like, no, that's investing. Well, it depends on your time frame. You could do it on if you buy something and sell something in three months, is that trading or is it investing? Um, and in the in any other market than crypto, I would say it's trading. But in crypto, you have a market like generally when you invest, you try to catch the market cycle. Uh, and in stocks that could take eight or nine, maybe even 10 years to play out. Um, but in the scope of crypto, it takes about six to eight months. In the For the bull runs, it only lasts one to three months so far as we've seen. Right. And I think I would argue that for my for my own decision making so far and how I've handled things, a lot of times, even though I'm an, analyzing things as a trader, sometimes my actions are more investor like. Um, and also, I would say sometimes my entries have historically they're not they're not they haven't been perfect. Like I'm not catching a bottom right where I would want to catch it. I'm more like somewhere in the middle. So then you're more vulnerable to the market cycle uh, going down further to the bottom of a market cycle or uh, or whatever. And then you're getting less of the move on the way up, things like that. Right. And if I'm doing a long term strategy, I'd really rather uh, catch those at the right time and be in, you know, Bitcoin or dollars whenever the market cycle is not ripe for me to be investing in it. So I thought it would be fun to do something like this because it really makes me question um, where is my trade relative to the market cycle? What do I expect to gain out of this? And um, instead of like sitting around on something that I've purchased and waiting for a 2x or a 4x or a 10x, like I hope to grab a couple of those in this uh, competition, but I think mm-hmm. a, a much larger percent of my trades will probably be 10%, 20%, 30% type of trades where I'm right. seeking a move and I'm really doing a trade, not a, you know, not not approaching it like a, a long-term investor would. And I, I just yes. thought doing that against someone would be a lot of fun. Absolutely. And I really think that when, I don't know, the uh, not only is the market competitive, but I myself feel that I perform much uh, more strongly when I'm competing against someone. Mm-hmm. So this is very, like, it, it's a um, incentive, uh, a, a kind of like an emotional incentive to do better, to improve. Um, if you're only, if I'm in my, from, from my perspective, if I'm only ever trading against myself, like I'm always trying to do better than myself, I get bored. It's static. It's, there's no one to have fun conversations with about where the market's going or whose trade is doing better than whose trade. Um, no offense. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, But yeah, when you, when you're directly competing with other people, it gets, it it turns into a really fun experience. Oh yeah. If you're not having fun when you're trading, if you're not having, this is basically gambling. So if you're not having fun gambling, then you're doing it wrong. Yeah. Um, you, you, I would be so stressed out if I wasn't having fun doing this. Um, and I probably wouldn't be doing it if I wasn't having fun. So I think this is just another way to um, liven things up a bit, right? And, and, in, I, uh, and improve. I absolutely want to beat you at this at this game. Um, it's I also have zero expectation that I will. <laughs> um, it's 
I, uh, well, you're not off to a good start. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So we made our first, we both made our initial buys and, uh, so far yours is, yours is performing a little better than mine. Um, I tried to have some faith in, in the volatility of the one that I chose. And so far it's failing me miserably. Um, yeah, we actually came from really different, um, strategies when we started this up, didn't we? Yeah. Um, um so one of the advantages to this competition we're having is we're starting uh, with a, for, for each of us, it's a s- smaller amount of money. We're not trading with our entire stacks here. No, no. Um, so it allows us two things. One, uh, we get to try strategies that we might not full heartedly believe in yet or mm-hmm. are not tried and tested um, in order to find the best or most optimal strategy um, for us. And the other thing is we get uh, a little bit of an advantage with the liquidity. Um, Since we're not trading with so much, we don't have to worry about entering or exiting a market. Um, It made it so that I could could market by QRL and not really worry about it. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Like if, if Ledger wanted to get out of QRL for whatever reason, he wouldn't have because to Because it's terrible. <laughs> yeah, the liquidity is awful. So you wouldn't have to take like a 5% loss just to get out because we're, we're trading with small amounts of money. I will say though, um, if we manage to be successful, then it would be an amount of money that would be significant. Um, yes. But that requires 100xing what we've started with. So right. um, if you 100x so I, anything, it's a significant amount of money. So um, Yeah, unless it's like $1. You can- right. <laughs> So, but I, I think you hit on something that I'm I'm particularly excited about, and um, and that's that this gives you an opportunity to try different strategies and do something different and uh, see how it works. Because you know, mm-hmm. to try to hit, we we average this out, and based on my napkin math, I think we basically have to hit twenty percent per week for uh, twenty five weeks in order to hit yeah. 100x. It's going to be pretty crazy. That's yeah. it's not it's it's pretty much unheard of in every market to even attempt something like this. So, it's going to be fun. Well, <laughs> I think it's possible. I don't think it's going to be easy, but I think it's possible. A lot yeah. of it's going to end up being luck. Sure. Uh, and when I say I 20% uh, 20% per week in 20 weeks, the other way to approach that or 25 weeks, the other way to approach that is to get 20% in 25 trades. Um, but then you're 25. Yeah, one trade a week, you could do that. Then you're 25 um, for 25. So one thing I wanted to talk about was the difference in strategy that we have in approaching this competition. Mm-hmm. So one of the things that I thought or I felt that I'm actually sacrificing by me, so I made my first trade in Monero, and I am not taking advantage of that liquidity, low liquidity market uh, with these starting stacks like you are. Yeah, we basically um, approached the first trade on polar opposite ends of the spectrum. Yeah, absolutely. And, because I and so, I went straight into the high volatility, low liquidity space, which is a great idea, I think. Um, and it, it's extremely risky, which is why I didn't want to do it. But I do think that with the constraints that we've given ourselves, that if I had found a coin that I thought was going to perform well, um, then I would have done the same thing, but I was just too unsure. Um, And perhaps I will push myself during the next trade after I finish with Monero to find a trade like that and make maybe more of a small 
um, time frame trade to catch the swings of one of these low liquidity coins. Yeah, I um, I'm certainly curious to to see which of these we find more effective because, um, like you just mentioned, you started with Monero and a good move off Monero, which you've gotten so far. Like I think you filled right. basically the top of the ascending triangle, and it yeah, did. no, it was. A- I mean, it wasn't a great entry. Uh, we, I mean, we, I basically entered right after we started the competition. Mm-hmm. Um, and it wasn't a good entry. Like, I could have gotten 1% or 2% better. But it wasn't a bad entry either, considering it's going up. I'm, you know, so it's hard to argue no, with it. No, it's fine. But even a, catching the breakout and then waiting, whatever it's been so far, two days, has yeah. got, gotten you, what, 5 or 7%. Um, when And when you're... St- thinking, okay, well, if we're looking for 20% per trade or 20% per week, whichever way you want to look at it, um, you have to catch the right trade like you've done on Monero and get get a good push off the breakout uh, a couple of times a week, essentially, to stay on pace. Yep. Um, yeah, I haven't, I haven't been um, swing trading it at all. There's been one opportunity I've seen where I could have sw- uh, swing traded it in the last 24 hours for maybe an extra 5%. Yeah. But <laughs> you also, it, it, uh, it, it, but, I mean, you we're really overanalyzing if you're if we're going to talk about you know a five percent swing on something when our quota is 20 percent, you would have to hit it perfectly, yeah. And even then, and so that's one of the things I'm sure that will evolve over these first few weeks as we try to figure out like what's my best opportunity for this time frame that essentially we're giving ourselves mentally because really you could catch one 100x and you know. And put it all in the next verge or whatever. Yeah, right. Uh, be done with it. Be done with it. That was fun. Um, I don't think either of us are really looking at it that way because then you, in that scenario, you just got extremely lucky. It doesn't really uh, portray right. the purpose of the competition, which is to essentially exactly. be able to outswing trade the other guy. Um, right. The the what we're aiming for is to develop. I think, like in in the grand scheme here. Uh, is to develop a strategy where we can um, reliably make gains every week. Right. Uh, which you can't do when you're investing because the market could swing either way. And you can't do if you're just going to hold some shit coin like Verge. No offense to all the shit, I mean, Verge <laughs> coins out there, <laughs> Verge coiners out there. Um, but the, the idea is to do it reliably. Uh, so. I, th- I think that making maybe zero to, th- you know, maybe zero to five trades each week is the way to go. Maybe maybe like one trade um, every two to three weeks is going to be a minimum. Um, yeah. Not that we've set any limits, but I just think that's going to be how it turns out. Yeah, we really tried to loosen up the rules so that we had flexibility to do whatever we wanted. The only real qualifiers we put were that uh, we weren't going to use margin and we were going to give ourselves this six month time frame. And mm-hmm. we also said that we won't tweet about it or whatever if the coin has less than like 10 Bitcoin 24 hour volume, because we don't want just tweeting about it to, for some reason, impact the price temporarily. Not right. to mention that's illegal. <laughs> it- Technically, I don't think it's illegal in crypto since there aren't any regulatory um, it's, laws it's, out there. For it's it. not within. It's not. Uh, it's not a good move. It's not. It's not the yeah, nice. No, I wouldn't. I wouldn't do it because it's not ethical. Yeah. <laughs> um, not that I haven't mistakenly done it before. At least I feel like I've mistakenly done it before. I've never maliciously done it before. 
Um, And I don't intend to. I definitely have my eye on uh, a coin or two that's on Cryptopia that has like, you know, half a Bitcoin daily volume. (laughs) 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 That I just want to, I just want to fill limit orders on it over the course of a couple of days and just see if I can catch a pop. But that's, that's like a good idea. That's about as risky as it gets on a competition like this. So because then getting yeah, like, if you if you fill it, then you may not get rid of it if it dumps twenty percent instead of I yeah. Well, I think a good idea is to try like set a low buy order and catch one of those spikes downward. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're kind of trading with like if you take a quarter of what we're starting with and were to put it on trades like that, it would be. I think it would be. A uh, pretty good um, idea, a, a pretty good strategy. If you were to use the whole stack, you would have to spread it out over like six coins to do it at max profitability. Because, um, like, I mean, we're we're trading with a small amount, but the uh, the liquidity on those coins on Cryptopia, I mean, Cryptopia, are really is really really bad. Uh, yeah, Cryptopia's liquidity is terrible, and their spreads are terrible. Um, if you were to try to market sell something, even with a tiny amount, like I don't care what right. it is, like point oh, the spreads are like they're like five to ten percent. Yeah. Um. Even on you know you know some decent coins on there, it's still pretty bad. Yeah, stuff that's listed elsewhere, but on Cryptopia, mm-hmm. the spread is really bad. Um. So we'll see. We'll see how it goes. Uh. We'll keep people updated, and you can follow the uh Twitter account where we put the trades at 100x trading. It should be a lot of fun. Um, I thought it would be good to have you on the podcast and talk about strategy and why we why we are doing it. And um, I'll have to have you on, you know, kind of throughout the competition as we get updates. I fully expect yeah. that at one point uh, or sooner than later, they'll become like a significant difference between our performance. <laughs> so like... Perhaps. You know, I'm, not, I'm not so sure. Um, I feel like... I've gotten lucky. I don't. I wouldn't say I've gotten lucky. I just chose the safest possible bet I could. Right. Um, I feel like if you get lucky on one of these, um, one of these low liquidity coins, though, it's going to speed up the competition very quickly. Right. And that's kind of what I was aiming for. I was a little upset with you for choosing Monero because um, I had I owned Monero on spot and on a margin long. <laughs> <laughs> like I want Monero to go up, but I really don't want you to win. So right, no, I've got like a very large percentage of my portfolio in Monero right now, actually. So I'm basically I'm just putting my money where my mouth is in this competition, nice. um, or where my other money is. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, this is like like we said, we're we're starting with a small enough uh, amount that um, you know. Even if we lost 100%, neither of us is going to lose sleep at night or whatever. Yeah. Um, lose, lose that much on Max every day. <laughs> I don't <laughs> no, know. It's not, it's not that bad, but uh, it's it's uh, from... Oh, uh, do you want to talk about that, actually? We kind of did a... Uh, uh, what, um, so I, uh, Beastly Orion, and that's my Twitter handle, and Ethereum Addict were doing a live trading session mm-hmm. last night. Um, and it was a lot of fun live trading. Um, the, the fun part about it, of course, was that we were on BitMEX with 100x leverage. Uh, Which you live should not, streaming. not that this is financial <laughs> advice, but you should not do that. 
Yeah, I, I wouldn't say it's a very good way to make money. It's about as good as a casino. Uh, and if you're on live, live stream and you've had a couple of beers like we had, it's actually a lot of fun. Um, so if you're, you're out for a good time, give it a shot. But otherwise, do, do like don't use it as a trading strategy. I wouldn't recommend it anyway. Yeah. Um, so you guys were 100x trading just to see what you could do, basically what you could make of it, right? Yeah, I I think um, Ethereum addict said something along the lines of um, if Cardano or ADA is the ticker doesn't go up 20% in the next 24 hours, I'm going to margin trade with 100x leverage on I'm going to live stream margin trading 100x leverage on BitMEX. Um, and so he decided to have me on for the uh, for the show. I don't, you know, competing against each other like that is a lot of fun too. It, it really is just like a casino. So we chose not to um, margin trade for our competition. Yes. Why, why do you think uh, that was the right call? I mean, I have my own thoughts on it, but. Um, one of the reasons there, there was a little bit of, I kind of faltered on it for a bit. I was thinking that would be a good idea to allow margin trading only because the market right now for altcoins is really bad. Uh, so basically, like, basically because you feel like it might be the only way to accomplish the goal. <laughs> yes, exactly. So you can margin trade Bitcoin each day or maybe even short some altcoins that have just been dying lately. Mm-hmm. Um, and make some pretty good money like that, some pretty safe uh, returns. And I think that would be a great way to do it. But unfortunately, or not not unfortunately, but um, the, the other side of the coin to that is that when you're using, the reason we decided not to do it, at least this is what I thought, is that if you are using margin uh, or, or you're using leverage to trade, it becomes you can actually lose all of your investment, all of your initial mm-hmm. investment because you get liquidated. And number one, I didn't want us to end up in that situation where one of us just burns through our entire capital and can't, you know, play the game anymore. Yeah, it's like when you um, play poker then, with your friends and somebody goes all in like, the first hour of the night. <laughs> it's like, yeah, right? do you let them buy back in or do you just make them sit there and watch? Yeah, it's super awkward. And I didn't <laughs> want that to happen. Um, the other thing I didn't want to happen was um, for one of us to go all in one trade um, and just sit on a large margin position. It, it is kind of unfair if one person has a lot of margin Um or a lot of like a high leverage uh, stake in one trade. Um, the other reason, or the one one reason, is because um, they're just trading with more money all of a sudden. But the other reason is because it makes it so easy for them to either win or lose the entire match between mm-hmm. us. Uh, and I didn't want that to happen. I, I thought it would be more interesting and be better for our strategy development My, if we just stayed away from that. Yeah, I agree in terms of one, the way we develop our own trading style, but also if part of the goal of this is to share publicly like the trades we're doing and why and essentially addressing kind of your retail swing trading market, I feel like margin trading wasn't going to be ex- as helpful. Um, right. Because most people either are not margin trading or should not be margin trading or both. Um, And when we're just trading alts back and forth or what we haven't gotten into yet, but 
uh, in hindsight, would have been a good head start of selling back into and out of just dollars. So yeah, doing the same thing, other, but not on margin. Dare I say it? Um, then that that could have been, you know, that's that's a better educational experience, basically. Um, right. I think that's fair, actually. By the way, if you want to add. Um, tether into the mix. Not that I really like Tether at all, but you know, if you oh, I totally, to- I I didn't know t- uh, Tether was out of the mix. <laughs> I was. Oh, okay, yeah, sure, okay. So Tether's in the mix. I wasn't going to use it anyway. I'm very strongly against the use of Tether just for my own portfolio because um, of certain uh, bad news articles, I guess, about the validity of Tether. Also, I just hate Bitfinex and everything about it. Um, they've had one too many flash crashes on their site for me to trust it or anything that they're associated with. Yeah. Well, so I, that's that's my reason for not liking it. I think uh, there's certainly validity in being concerned about uh, Bitfinex and Tether. However, mm. I also don't like Bitfinex, the uh, yeah, he's kind of a crazy little he's fellow. The, yeah, he's the boy who cried wolf to me. So um, I, I won't, it'll be harder for me to believe the real thing if the real thing exists. But for a short term position, I don't care about being in tethers for a little while. Sure. Um, that makes sense. So we'll, we'll consider it an altcoin. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that works. Um, all right, Beast. Well, this was fun. I'll, uh, I'll have you on maybe in a month or so and we'll see how we're doing on the competition. Um, how should people stay in touch with you to get your, your feel on the market? Um, uh, if you guys want to post uh, or comment on anything I post on Twitter, uh, I actually have my direct messages open on Twitter, but please don't spam them. I will block <laughs> you if you spam me. <laughs> or if you try to shill an ICO to me, I will block you for that too. Uh, otherwise, yeah, that's probably the best way to get a direct message to me or just reply on a comment that, happens to pertain to whatever you're talking about. Um, and we can have a conversation there. Um, and th- thank you so much uh, for having me on the show with you. It's been a blast. Um, lots of fun to talk. I see you have the uh, Bitcoin uh, minute chart pulled up. Seems like it's I'm on the three, I'm on the three well. minute, man. It's not, I'm not maxed to Jen. Uh, it's close enough. I <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, I only, I only trade the minute chart, the one minute chart on Bitcoin um, because <laughs> I don't know. It just seems like the most, the most information. (laughs) So we, Uh, it's doing pretty well though. I'm happy that it's recovering, um, quite a bit. Yeah. Likewise. I know a lot of people just got wrecked today. Yeah. Um, it'll be really interesting to see, and this is something we didn't get into, but one of the things that maybe we're seeing in the market that's, that is like Forex markets is this idea of, uh, essentially washing people out of their positions, um, yeah. doing some, some stop hunting and, um, you know, fake out breakouts and, uh, fake, fake dumps, even though I don't know if you can call, uh, $1,200 fake. <laughs> yeah. Any- it was quite a dump too. I've heard a lot of speculation just in the last few hours, uh, about the possibility that it was an orchestrated, uh, dump, um, people. So, so the fundamental reason for this dump or the news reason was a lot of people think anyway, is that uh, Binance reportedly got hacked and a lot of people had their balances. Uh, so apparently it was from people that had uh, trading API keys set up um, that apparently uh, were stolen or somehow 
um, I, I guess someone found out what they were and uh, used them to sell all the altcoins from those people's accounts and buy via coin. So if you're if you're wondering why the via coin spiked today, that would be why. Um, and it spiked really hard. So I, I don't know what incentives those people would have to do that, though. They can't get the money off the exchange. Um, they would have gotten banned. Yeah, it's, it's hard to be blocked. it's hard to be speculative about these things uh, without knowing the full story. Right. Uh, but there was definitely a lot of uh, uh, there are definitely a lot of rumors in the air today um, definitely. with regard to Binance, with regards to Bittrex, uh, kind of the whole Even- nine. Even just like the massive volume on the exchanges after the Binance or the reported Binance hack um, or the alleged Binance hack is what I mean. Yeah. So we'll see what's going on there and we'll find out in a week whether or not uh, this was a sign of more downside to come or if um, it was just a a temporary drop down before we go and tackle (laughs) that diagonal resistance once and for all. Yes, please do. (laughs) All right, Beastful. We'll catch you next time. And uh, thanks, everybody, for joining us. And we'll see you next week. All right. Thanks, Ledger. Monuments crumble in the blink of an eye. The easy river has just run dry in a house of cards. Wound so tight